0: episode we'll discuss the call of duty woes and then in the main section we'll dive deep into our experiences with Kickstarter video games but first i'm ben joined by will smith anthony rodriguez and we're gonna go over what we've been playing recent- recently how about you will
1: i have still been fell playing seal fell seal arbiter's mark that is the full title um I just- i'm 55 hours in what would you like to know about my experience? <laughs> Sweet Jesus. So,
2: after last week, when you were talking about it, I, I looked into it, and I was reading some of the reviews, and one person on the review gave it, like, a three out of five or four out of five on Xbox, um, and said the game was really short. Well,
1: so yeah, 55 yeah, you can hours, make it that's pretty short. short. I mean, uh, so, I I mean, I'm doing, like, everything I possibly can, and I part of the thing that lengthens it is that once a character dies they become injured and so if you use them again they have a stat like a stat penalty so you have to fight a battle without them in order to get them back to full health so i kind of do a lot of that i hate it when
0: i die and get an injury Mm, it's the worst yeah (laughs) So it's, it's it's a short game, kind of like Skyrim's a short game. Yeah, sh-
2: yeah kind of like Skyrim's a short game.
0: Yeah. But
2: it, it even seems like more often than not games that are 50, 60, 70 hours, that even if they're streamlined, you can beat it in 20. And yeah. That e- even in, its, in my opinion, 20 hours isn't short. For me, short is probably 12 or less. Mm. Yeah, 15 like, is It's a little short. shorter.
1: Yeah. I And I'm like probably 10 to 15 levels above probably where the story arc is. Um, but I yeah. kind of, you know, I did like, like they have a tournament that you can enter. That's not really required, but I did that. And that's actually really hard. Um, but it's really cool because all of the characters that you fight against are classes that are customized more like a person would do it. Not just kind of like your basic classes in the game. And it, it was actually a pretty crazy battle because you have uh, like these this dark magic to where you can reanimate characters and raise them up from zombies once they die. And part of the reason why you'd want to do that is it prevents them from reviving their own characters. And so I had what well, they call it an ad- autonomous, and they had one too. And so we basically just made a big zombie brawl, <laughs> and That's had a so bunch cool. of zombies chomping on each other by the end of the
0: fight. That's great. Nice.
2: What about you, Anthony? So I've played a couple. Obviously, I've continued Rage 2. I mean, if you, my thoughts really haven't changed since last week, but it continues to be incredibly fun to play. The mm-hmm. other couple of games I played, one was called Mutant Football League, which funny enough, we talked about on uh, Reeled In, about mm-hmm. the old cartoon show that you remember watching. Well, this is the video game version of it,
0: and it is a callback to the old well, Blitz that- it, there was an original Mutant League game, and I th- I don't know if it was the show was first or the show was based off of the game, and then they turned it into football in these later installments.
2: Yeah, and it is a ode to the Blitz games from the early 2000s where you can beat up on each other once the play is over, mm-hmm. but this this game is a little bit different in that the different races within it like as werewolves skeletons robots a whole bunch of different fantasy based characters they have different characteristics but then on top of that each field has hazards that you have to be aware of and then characters will die or be injured and then you either can't use them for a certain amount of time or they're gone um for the rest of the game where then you can resurrect characters afterwards in the dynasty mode um, but one of the cool things about it is it has a different style tactic. You can still play it like a football game, but then there's obviously like in the old blitz modes of being on fire. In this game, there's called trick plays, where like one of them is your uh quarterback has a shotgun, so he'll just run and he'll just start <laughs> shotgunning everybody, or naturally, th- yeah. It's, or uh, another one is like the defense becomes it's like uh, that
1: movie, the what's it the last Boy Scout? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where he gets
2: shot in the chest in the middle of the game. Yeah, that's dark. Um, <laughs> or or there's, no, that's legit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Or there's like the defense becomes electrically charged, and then any person they touch causes a fumble. So there's like different trick plays that you use at special times during the game. Also, how you maneuver the field. Where like if you see a mine in the middle of the field, maybe you'll go out of your way to go around it, trying to get other people to step on the mine to blow them up. Because the other tactic is that obviously you can win the game by scoring more points but the other is like let's say you're down by like 20-25 points in the game when you lose that like if you have six wide receivers and they're all dead it will just draw from different positions obviously they're not going to be as good as wide receivers but they'll just they'll make a lineman a wide receiver they'll make someone else a wide receiver however quarterbacks they don't do that so every team has five quarterbacks and if you lose the quarterback you forfeit. So, it becomes a strategy of that. If you're losing really bad, you no longer play to win, you play to kill. And like oh, the wow. whole purpose of what you're trying to do is to kill their quarterbacks with late hits, and your strategies change because now the only way you're going to win is not catching up, being down by 30 points. It's going to be winning by killing all the
0: other teams' quarterbacks. It's <laughs> so always funny, like to a lot of fun to yep. hear about Mutant League. It's like you get all these uh, quarterbacks killed. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's
2: definitely it's it's quite a bit of fun. It is a good mix of football and then the Warhammer um, football game that I played not too long ago. It's not that one's <laughs> not, Blood Bowl. A Blood Bowl, right where now. that one's a little bit more strategic based, where you actually have to plan out. Like each character has a certain amount of moves. It's a little more chessboardy, but there's death and injuries in that. And that game still has. Uh, like different races with is, different abilities. Is that like a turn-based? Yes, it is a, tur- game? yes yeah. it is a turn-based. Yes, it is a turn-based really interesting. Game. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Where in that game, like you play, the way you play is depending on your race. Like certain races can be easily killed or injured, but they can, but they're very very fast and agile. So the way you play with them is different than some of the teams are bruiser teams. Where literally Works their whole else. purpose is to yeah, yeah their whole purpose is to beat up the other team and get it to the point to where they have no more players left and you just waltz into the
1: it's kinda, more like a tabletop kind of game yeah absolutely
2: yeah. that game is a lot of, the other one obviously is uh, I went to a Super Smash Brothers tournament uh, this weekend um, I'm not very good or at least I'm not as good as people who show up to tournaments oh yeah um, they're, they're crazy good. But I would be remiss if I didn't at least talk about Super Smash Brothers because the game is so well done. From Mm -hmm. the story mode to how fun it is, it still retains... Like, Smash is a a special game in that you can play it with your family that don't really that doesn't really play video games you can play it with people who do play video games or you can play it on a competitive level and that it, in itself it's almost like three different games well four if you count the story mode so mm-hmm. there's so many different ways to experience the game itself and then see all these characters from different properties being able to battle it out also the talk with the detective Pikachu Pikachu them talking about making a smash brothers movie like it's just really really excited the weird. other the final one I want to mention is Xbox was having a backwards compatibility sale, and I was like, "Oh, I'll scroll, see what's on there." And there's an old game I played. Well, not old; it's about ten years old. Called Kingdoms of Amalur, which was Kurt Schilling, the famous uh, pitcher. <laughs> yeah, he pretty yep. much bankrupted. Yep. I want to say it was Rhode Island trying to make this game. Like he put up like thirty or fifty million of his own money, and then he took like another thirty million from the the town itself, and the game became. Uh, um, like, it went through development hell, went through all this different stuff. But the game in itself is really, really good. It's mm. written by R.A. Salvatore, who is a famous fantasy author that yeah, is that a little bit more known for The Legend, the legend of Drizzt, which is a D&D-based drow yeah. elf, which is a very fun fantasy mm. story within itself. But he, he's really, he's an excellent author. Also, it has Todd McFarlane attached to it, the creator oh, wow. of Spawn. Mm-hmm. Um and it has a lot of like a couple of people who worked on like Fallout 3 and a couple other different games and this game is awesome it is a gem it's unfortunate that huh. it didn't get its its time to shine when it first came out it was
0: kind of a double a game in a lot of really good games at the time so it kind of went under the radar it did
2: go it did go under the radar it uh, recently the property was just bought by T- THQ, THQ Nordic, Nordic which is very exciting uh, it's
0: something weird like they owned they own the title like they can't re-release the original but they can make something new
2: which i'm all for yeah these are the stories first of all the world is really cool that it's built in but the idea is that you can play the game it's very much a fantasy rpg but the action in it the combat is excellent It, Hmm. it feels so good to play and you can play it any way you want it does a really good job of you, can, you have a primary and secondary weapon and you can build your character however you want. Do you want to be a uh, sword and board Iron Man with armor that doesn't dodge anything with super health? Or do you want to be a sneaky, has like a stealth mechanic to it for instant kills with bow and arrows? Do you want to be a very powerful mage with a staff? But then you can also mix and match. Like you could your primary could be daggers, so you're very sneaky, but your secondary is like a staff, so you're like a rogue mage type Hmm. but the premise of the game is that you die in a war and you are brought back by this thing called the well of souls and within the world there's these things called fate weavers where they're pretty much like tarot card readers but they have different ways of being able to see your your future and basically their idea is that they read the fates of destiny the strings of destiny to determine your fate and when your character things happen eventually your character meets one and they can't see your destiny. You are um, a character with no destiny, so the idea is that you get to choose how your story plays out, unlike everyone else in this world that has a determined beginning and end. You now introduce this chaos of that. You change everything. These destiny has no control over you. Uh, oh, but I did they, not get far enough in that game to know that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the game is and it. It still holds up. It still plays really well. The voice acting in it is really good. It it's lip sync is off mm-hmm. like so it's still weird in that way and it also reminded me of how much i love silent protagonists where like in certain games when you pick what your character wants to say and then they re or and they re-say it and it's like nope that's not what mm-hmm. i was trying yeah. to say where in this game it is very much more the mass effect-y where you can find different lores and characters depending on who you talk to and then it just they simply respond to what the writing is that you choose to say as opposed to your character being a voice protagonist um the character the game is so much fun and also it's super super deep and i was i'm happy i went back and i dived into it for sure
0: all right i've been i beat rage 2 i i'm the same with you i think it's i still think it's fantastic and a blast it was a blast to play through ending was okay but that didn't matter. I was skipping everything anyways and just getting to the action because it was so freaking fun. I would go and find every little outpost and side quest just to get more of the action. Um, And then after I beat that, I started up Metro Exodus and I love the Metro world and the Stalker world. So it was my cup of tea. Very systems focused kind of game, almost realistic to a point where you have like a gas mass you can wipe it off you have to charge up your light and you only have a finite amount of ammo they got rid of the ammo was currency that was in the first and second which i actually Mm. didn't enjoy because then you're like do i want to use up this ammo to kill this creature or save it to go buy something which was irritating i like that they some people love that mechanic yeah they did but I I I much prefer this where you can actually you can actually build the ammo which is different you you had to scrounge for them in the other two and it's story-wise I was kind of annoyed they I'm not going to spoil too much but they gave a dumb reason why you're above ground in this post-apocalyptic kind of Russia and it didn't settle sit well with me but i'm still enjoying it and it's more dropping you in areas pseudo open world areas little areas where you can scrounge take out bandit camps and encounter all different kinds of mutants it's a lot of fun i can't wait to continue playing it
2: yeah i actually watched you when you were playing it for a little bit
0: and there was a cool aspect where like your weapon jammed on you yep. and you have to you go to workbenches and you have to keep your weapon clean and if you like fall in the water or it's raining and stuff it starts to get dirty and it'll jam stuff like that so every, also, it's a every very beautiful game. oh yeah every workbench i'm just cleaning off all my guns and putting on upgrades and stuff and yeah it's it's pretty fun and then the last one is a free-to-play Monster Hunter like game called Dauntless. Played a couple hours last night of it and it is a lot of fun. Where with Monster Hunter, it was very strategic like you got to sharpen your weapons, you got to use the take these items with you because they'll be helpful for the hunt. While this one just drops you in an instance with your friends and you fight one behemoth, maybe two later in the game. I don't know, but mainly what I've seen so far is the one behemoth you get items from killing it or chopping off its tail like typical uh, Monster Hunter gameplay, And then you come back and upgrade, build armor, build swords, build uh, guns also, and like little gems and stuff. And it should be a lot of fun when we all join up and yeah. take down these big monsters. Yeah, I'm excited. I have it downloaded. I'm ready to play tonight. So super, super excited for that. Yeah. All right. Uh, in our next new section, we're going to be talking about uh, Kotaku's article on <clears throat> Call of Duty sources: Call of Duty 2020 and in, in upheal upheaval as Treyarch or is it takes up evil. Up evil, yes. As Treyarch <laughs> takes over, plans Black Ops Five by Drace, Jason Schreier, who's a fantastic uh, news reporter.
2: Yeah, you one could make the argument is he's one of the few journalists journalists real, real journalists, yeah. Yeah, he he doesn't write more often than not. Nine out of he does work for. Kotaku. Kotaku, which at times posts some ridiculous articles. It has yeah. its own. Well, all, all the websites. But Jason, do, but he, he Jason more often than not, is putting out really, really interesting. He's kind of like the Adam Schefter of the <laughs> video game world. So yeah. for people who don't know, other people are like, who's Adam Schefter? But for the people who no. know, it's just he's connected and he knows everybody and he always comes out with the big news stories.
0: All right. Take it away, Anthony.
2: So- Jason writes, next year's Call of Duty has gone through a major upheaval, as publisher Activision informed developers this week that studios Raven and Sledgehammer, which had until now led the project, will no longer be in charge. Instead, according to three people familiar with goings on at the company, Treyarch will lead development on a new Black Ops for 2020. It's a significant shift for Activision's massive first-person shooter franchise, which is one of the most lucrative video game series on the planet. Every fall for the past 15 years, Activision has put out a new Call of Duty game, supported by a stable of different developers who rotated duties required. Since 2012, Activision has followed a three-year cycle for its three lead studios in Infinity War, Treyarch, and Sledgehammer. For 2020, Activision had originally switched things up, assigning the Wisconsin-based studio, uh, support studio Raven, to take a leadership role alongside Sledgehammer to make a Call of Duty game set during the Cold War, likely involving Vietnam. As the very re- as of very very recently, that has changed. Now Treyarch, based in Santa Monica, California, is charged of leading Call of Duty Black Ops 5 for 2020. According to those briefed on the upheaval, Track will take creative leadership on this new Black Ops, while Raven and Sledgehammer will serve as support studios for the game, transforming the work they've done on their own single player mode into a campaign for Black Ops 5, which will also be set during the Cold War. This may become a welcome this may be a welcome return for fans who criticize the lack of campaign Lack of campaign in Black Ops 4. It will likely be a cross-gen game to coincide with the launch of the next PlayStation Xbox, which are expected to be in the fall of 2020.
0: So it's interesting that they Sledgehammer and Raven really seem to not be able to get along, and that's big reason why this happened. And I'm kind of bummed that they didn't just give it to Sledgehammer because they did a great job with, uh, was it Advanced Warfare? I don't know why they felt the need to shove two companies together. And Raven's does a fantastic job on multiplayer, but the big people that made Raven the company it was aren't really there anymore. No, I did, but I was excited that they were giving Raven a chance to have more creative input
2: on just being a multiplayer map team or a remaster mm-hmm. team because they've been able to put out really good work gameplay-wise and visual-wise, but now giving them an ability to do more than just build maps and and remaster things, but now have a chance to tell a story within it, on top of the fact that this last campaign, this last Black Ops, Black Ops 4, there was no campaign. It was only purely multiplayer-focused. But the other crazy thing about it is not only now is it the upheaval of now that Sledgehammer and Raven aren't Taking leads on it, they're now being absorbed by Treyarch, and now yeah. going Treyarch. You design the multiplayer and the overall feel of the game, but Sledgehammer and Raven, you guys are now in charge of doing the single player mode within it. So they didn't even even separate the two kids fighting. No. It's like you know, as a parent, if I see my two kids fighting, it's like you know what, that's enough. Now your bigger sister is going to be responsible for you, and you know there isn't really a separation of those two. And now they have to work with a company based within California while they're in Wisconsin. And this team originally was planning on having Black Ops 5 release in 2021. Now they now, have to release a the the whole gonna, year Like earlier. crazy, crazy crunch that yeah, they, these people are
0: expecting uh, that they already had for 4. And now they're expected to up the time frame on a year. And uh, also looking forward, is there going to be three companies going forward with... Uh, The new ones. I I
2: think that's. I think they'll still have Raven and Sledgehammer, obviously. But yeah, that cycle of.
0: Well, if they don't get along, how are they going to do the next game?
2: No, I don't think they'll pair them. I just think they'll like Raven will still be their second hand studio while they have the three main. Mm -hmm. But I think this allows there almost will be a reset on the market of that. The other people that affects is the third company was their Sledgehammer, Treyarch, and Infinity Infinity War. War. Where which now Infinity Ward, their, their, game. their game is coming out this year. Yeah. It already came out at this time being called Barn Warfare, which I'm super excited for. Yeah. Now they're probably going to be expected to release a game with a two-year turnaround as opposed to their normal three-year turnaround. Yep. Yeah. So
0: it's it's crazy what's going on. And it's a bummer that Sledgehammer, the, these are the guys that uh, worked on Dead Space and some fantastic games. It's just game companies really... Yeah, I don't know.
1: Where did Raven come from?
0: Well, back in the day, I don't. Uh, they they made um, four player brawlers like uh, Ultimate Alliance, X Men Origins. Okay, uh, and then they just oh, got that's to-
2: what I remember. So they did Wolverine, Wolverine yeah, Wolverine Origins, X Men, a game, game which was which was really well received. Yeah, uh, they did. Um, let's see, they began hiring. They worked
0: on. Call of Duty Ghosts. And uh, I I listened to an interview with some of the guys that used to work there, and it was interesting hearing about a new CEO coming in after Activation kind of took over. And he was he got everybody into a meeting and he was uh, he said that. You know that Uncharted game that just came out, and everybody got like really excited, like, hey, maybe we can do something new and different. And he's like, I would not have greenlit that game. We're not going to make those kind of games. And It's just kind of a depressing look at where Raven is now under the tutelage of Activision.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's super unfortunate that you have all these talented teams locked into Call of Duty. But the thing is, year after year, Call of Duty sells, sells, sells. Yeah. It's always the number one seller year after year. And and even with this it's last going year- going down, but yeah. It, it is. But even with this last year without a campaign, it still sold really well. But I remember kind growing of, up- It's the lowest
0: Call of Duty's ever sold though.
2: Yeah. But the other thing too is that it's probably going to have the longest legs because of Blackout. That it's such a popular battle royale mode
0: within the Call of Duty universe. And what is happening with Blackout? Like, are they going to just stick that onto the next so one? Or is it just gonna going to keep it that- free to play? So there's two views on what
2: they're going to do with Blackout. Either A they're going to release it in a new updated form. Now Blackout will be a part of every game like zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now every game will have a Blackout mode, every game will have a zombies mode, every game will have a multiplayer, every game will have a single player. It just sounds exhausting. Which, which A you are correct. It sounds exhausting or the idea is that they're now going to separate Blackout and make it a free to play. Mm-hmm. And it That's I I don't know why and, they just didn't do that from yeah. the beginning. And as the games come out, they'll update it with new modes that will fit alongside the Current Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Like when Modern Warfare comes out, their Blackout would probably be more Modern Warfare themed as opposed to what it currently is with Black Ops. And then World War One.
1: It's really interesting when you get big games like this that when they run into trouble, they don't delay anything. Like They stay consistently on this schedule, uh, expecting to keep making them the same money that they have been, but it's interesting that their last game did not perform as well and I kind of wonder if that has something to do with the emergence of like Fortnite and Overwatch, and there's kind of what a new model and, going on.
0: And a lot of people said this wasn't true, but I know a ton of people that did not get it because there was no campaign. I definitely, I didn't, never wanted to touch it because of that.
2: Well, and that's the other thing. The last couple of Call of Duty campaigns weren't the greatest. Yeah, but, but they're like still fun. The first Call of Duty games, like Call of Duty One, Two, Three, up through Modern Warfare, and the couple of games after that. Those campaigns were actually pretty good, and they were fun to play. I I,
0: I really enjoyed Advanced Warfare's campaign.
2: Yeah, they're, they were really well done. And it's unfortunate that they thought to a point, they're just like, you know what, whatever, screw it. The people, all they really want out of this is a multiplayer zombies mode. In all honesty, I like zombies, but if you're going to drop something, that's the thing I would drop is, is zombies. If I had to drop something, even mm. though I know there's plenty of people that play it, but I felt the game would have been, like if they came out and said, hey, this year we're not going to do zombies, but they still have a single player, it probably would have had less blowback than coming out and being like, hey, we're not doing a, sim- a single player campaign. I think yeah. people would have been like, all right, that's fine. Because the zombies is relatively... This newest zombies is more akin to the old
0: school ones, but they were trying to do new interesting things for the last couple of they were, zombies. They were kind of putting a campaign on the zombies. Yes, absolutely. Like, with characters, with big actors and stuff like that. And aliens, brought in aliens yeah. to the zombies. Yeah, there
2: was a whole bunch, and, and they had different themes. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to originally, zombies was like, A, kill zombie Nazis, collect a bunch of stuff, get new weapons, how long can you survive? Then it turned into this, Oh, you got to do this to turn this on, and then you got to go here, and you got to do this, and there became a theme to how you were supposed to play zombies. But then set in different areas, like one was sent during like an '80s horror camp, and then there was one that was sent during like Like an amusement park, and then there's like Roman times, and then Mm. um, like 1950s prison. Like it just played with a different idea of where you would play. Exactly where you would play different types of zombies within it.
0: Yeah, I'm interested. We'll
2: see. We'll see how everything
0: turns out for sure. I I sure hope because it would be a bummer to see these companies not do well, (laughs) and it would just uh, kind of show Activision that they don't need a campaign, which I don't want at all. I I want those campaigns. I'll buy those games for those campaigns
1: do you guys foresee like uh this consistency with a year after year release of call of duty or do you think that the like the market's gonna die down and they won't have the the income to really to where it wouldn't make sense to keep doing it the way they've been doing
2: it so i would say no just because of sports call of duty has now taken on this first person shooter sports esports no, no, no. Like actual sports. Like every year there's a new NBA game. Every sure. year there's a new Madden game. Every year there's a new FIFA game. And those always sell gangbusters. Call of Duty has been that just for a first-person first shooter basis. So every year we knew we were going to get a new Call of Duty.
0: And because they had those teams, they could do it. Like with uh, three very true. talented yeah. Yeah, teams. With Ubisoft, they definitely were smart in taking a year off of Assassin's Creed because it, it showed with Origins and Odyssey. They were really good games. But they were a smaller team relatively to
1: Activision's three main leads with like uh like Madden and stuff is it they just have one team working on the same thing year after year yes
2: they have one team that works on them it's probably a pretty but, large but team but they have then. different yes it's very large but then they have different aspects of it where there will be gameplay and mode-focused people that will pretty much be on the game until release, and then the first couple of months, and then they will shift to making the new one. Or then there'll be a small team still there to fix bug bugs and different responses. Mm-hmm. So their team does split up. They have very much a uh, work really, well, really hard to get a game ready to go, release in August, see how it's received, and then pretty much during the NFL season, take a step back and then plan for what they're going to do for the next year. Because it is a lot of times people complain that every year. Outside of a couple of different minor switches, it's just a roster update. So yeah. it does have that feel. Again, it's one studio, but with Call yeah. of Duty because it being the three different They're studios, so it isn't
1: like the same game engine. Yeah, same at game. least I, I would say the relatively same the teams graphics. are using the same ones that they used previously. I don't know. I I I stopped calling uh, playing Call of Duty a long time ago. Are they pretty consistent in mechanics? from team to team
0: yeah,
2: to an extent they are set in different worlds like for example with advanced warfare there was like a jetpack kind of booster idea with it how uh, the weapons feel exactly it felt futuristic okay. but as far as like moment to moment gunplay it was very close like this last one the black ops like the when you play multiplayer your character has a special power so now your classes and the perks you pick depend on what character you choose, and that character has a different power or ability. Like, one's a medic, one has the ability to hack people's... It's They basically turn into an EMP. They can hack people's uh, visions, and they can no longer use their special abilities Vision or radars. Hacked. Yeah, you know, so one guy has a dog with him. So they basically turned old perks into people, and there was no okay. longer that style of so they don't, call of duty they don't
1: you don't really customize your class anymore to you that extent you more or? customize
2: your weapons and within okay. the what weapons you choose each you but have like your, 10 your slots yeah and then you kind of play it. but it was no longer like i'm always going to like they still have perks but perks now use up you have 10 slots to use for your a class and now perks use one of those slots so instead before it's like okay what perks are you going to use and what attachments are you going to put on your weapon now it's do you want that red dot on your site, or do you want to be able to have cold-blooded? So you had to choose, do I want more perks, or do I want more more stuff with my weapons um, hmm. for building different kind of builds there. So, hmm. But yes, it is very similar. You can pretty much play one Call of Duty, pick up next year's, and you're going to be at home outside of like minor adjustments. Yeah. Well,
0: coming up, we're going to discuss Kickstarted video games. Welcome back, and in this main section, we're going to talk about kickstarted video games. What's your experiences with them? Uh, have you played any? Probably, because there's a whole heck of a lot there's as I done. went over them. Uh, just a little tidbit, I'm going to name a, just a few. Uh, starting off with Hyperlight Drifter, The Banner Saga, FTL, Shovel Knight, Divinity Original Sin, Darkest Dungeon, Superhot, Hot. Broken Age, Wasteland 2, Kentucky Route 0, Psychonauts 2, Shenmue 2, 3, We Happy Few, Yoko Laylee, Bloodstained Hollow Knight, Crossing Souls, That Dragon Cancer, Yoten, Kingdom Come Deliverance, Undertale, and A Hat in Time. And that's just a teeny tiny little bit of that iceberg that is uh, crowdfunded video games. Uh, you have any experiences with them? Have you crowdfunded them before?
2: So personally, no, I'm not. I've never been big into the Kickstarter scene on any front, really. Mm-hmm. Just because more often than not, I don't know that any of those are going on. By the time I hear about it, You're the campaign the is already over, or I'm already playing the game. Like <laughs> a lot of times, I see it already for sale, and then I find out that it was kickstarted. But it, but there's been quite a few games that if I would have known. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but after playing the game, it's like, man,
0: I I I would have kickstarted this for sure. Like the idea of Mighty Number Nine was everybody's dream, but when it actually came out, it's like, ooh, yeah, the game wasn't,
2: it wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't that old, Mega Man feel that they were
1: kind of hoping for,
2: for sure. What about you? uh, Have you any experience with Kickstarter games?
1: Uh, not that I know of, but uh, so my experience with Kickstarter is just started recently, but I've kickstarted board games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it didn't really occur to me to try to kickstart a video game. I remember the first time I even had like the concept was introduced to me. I thought it was a, a little strange. Like there's this, uh, singer songwriter in my hometown that wanted to kickstart his album. I'm like, well, you want people to pay for this before you do it that, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of pressure to like agree. come through with it so i haven't been apt to support it but now that i'm seeing it happens all the time and some really great games have come out of it that it's uh, i think it's really cool that there's kind of the opportunity and people are finally getting used to the idea of like oh hey i want this game made I can contribute to it and it will probably happen.
2: Yeah, the being able to hear your voice heard with the Kickstarters yeah. because there's a lot of times with games that if you if you they aren't Kickstarter people don't take up with them because whether the property's locked behind because Sony owns it or Microsoft owns it or whatever, there's all these games that people like clamber for. Like, you know how many times I hear people want to see hear a new Crimson Skies game just because of how well it was received before? Yeah, but getting another like, fable. Yeah, another fable. Getting these games is tough just because they're locked behind that lockbox that is Sony and Microsoft and everything else with them being able to hold the the keys to the car and saying, nope, you can't have it. But now with these individuals going like, for example, you get spiritual successors to like Banjo-Tooie uh, or Yo, Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, with Mm ukulele, where it was these old (laughs) rare people that you just go, oh, I remember those games as a kid and they lost their way. Here's the old founders. Now they want to build this game I loved. They just can't call it Banjo-Kazooie. They have to call it something different. And now being able to have your voice heard and be like, yes, I want that game. Here's my money. Make it happen. Like voting with your wallet, so to speak.
0: And and, and it is a hit or miss. Andrew was saying something. Uh, He couldn't be here, but... He sends his thoughts. Also, thoughts on Kickstarter games are it's a real gamble. Shovel Knight is probably the most notable Kickstarter that actually kept its promises, where Star Citizen is the most mo- notable for not. As much as I love giving people support, I think Patreon is a better source of crowdfunding. You can set your goals easier without ever promising. Kickstarter kind of feels like president campaigns where you have to overall oversell your game and promises to gamer support. Is I kind of I see where he's coming from. Yeah, I
2: I do have slight disagreement. I haven't heard of any games or any of outside of ongoing projects that worked on Patreon. From my understanding, of Patreon it is a month
0: to month. I've I backed a couple uh, Patreon backed a couple people where they do there's like updates to games and you get them in little in chunks. Okay, all right. But I mostly do it for like uh, podcasters or art. People who pay hard—that's what I use Patreon for.
1: Yeah, it's interesting when you kind of consider the different mediums. I don't know if Kickstarter is the easiest thing for video game developers uh, to run through because, like, you make a promise, you just there's so many problems that are unforeseen, and you have to
0: you have to make special items for the backers. Yeah, instead of focusing on the video game, you're focusing on these. Uh, little incentives to just get people to pay money but
1: which like with a board game you set your goals and it's like well the game already functions we know how it works it's just like what kind of materials are we going to use if you get this mm-hmm. much money then we get to throw in this item or this item you know this material
2: and more often than not with kickstarter that money's gone in that when they're like hey fund me you are giving them your money and you're not seeing the fruits of the labor until they deliver on those things. Right. And
0: that's star citizen has kind of run into that where he says they lost a, used up a lot of their money and they're still nowhere near to finish. And it's like millions that went into that hundreds of millions that went into that game.
2: And that's the, and that's the double edged sword of crowdfunding is taking that chance of I am going to put money. And your hope is that more people agree with you so they can get fully funded. And then on top of that, the company using the money for what they promised Mm -hmm. where one of the examples I bring up is Shenmue Three, where that had that's over seven million dollars. Half of that funding was Kickstarter, and then Sony took up the other half. Well, that's what I'm saying. Seven million was kickstarted. Yeah, Sony is given the other one, but to me, Shenmue was a big enough property and idea that I, that was one of those few ones that I was like, Shenmue could have been created without Kickstarter. In my in my opinion. I get I mean, why they I think they put it out there, but it felt I, a they, little cheap. I I, today. Th- I think
0: it was put it out there so Sony can see that people want this. And Sony probably wasn't going to back it until they saw how much that people wanted this game. And it's amazing how many indie games uh, get crowdfunded. I looking over that, pretty much every new indie game has been crowdfunded and it's cool to see and then companies uh, see that and then publish for them like the banner saga is a fantastic uh, the banner saga is such oh, a good game so good um mm, I norse, play that. norse mythology uh kind of like tactics final fantasy tactics yeah i looked over kind of the list of like the yeah with beautiful art mass effect really? because the Characters. choices you make during the game oh, who right, you right. Use, okay, carry gotcha. on
2: from game to game to game to game you don't fly okay. around on a spaceship. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> and it's a set story, beats. set
0: story trilogy where oh, things trilogy. in the first one okay. can happen, the second, and third. Yeah, that's what wow. I meant
2: with that. Like, literally, at the end of the first game, you make a decision of who lives, who dies, and that changes the second one, second and third one completely different hmm. for everybody because your main character in the second one, third one, are different depending on your choices in the first game.
1: Wow. That sounds fantastic. Like
2: it would, it would literally legitimately be like with the first Mass Effect. At the end of it, you go, you can either save Captain Anderson or Shepard, and then whoever you save, that's who you play in two and three. So now the second and third Mass Effect, you have to be, you have people who are now playing as Captain Anderson, and you now have people playing as Shepard, and that's kind of what Banner Saga did. Is you played as these two characters through the first one, and then at the end you go, who lives, who dies, and then that changes the story for everyone during that next game. And they deliver
0: on that promise. And the second and third one are
2: really good games as well. I think
0: the second one they funded themselves, but they didn't like it as much. Like they liked the, uh, the interaction with the, their fans. And so the third one they also kickstarted.
2: One of the most fun Kickstarters I have ever seen is actually Larian Studios, and that's with Divinity Original Sin. Mm-hmm. They, would, they would send out monthly videos of what's going on. Plus, the game, first off, the game is incredible the amount of like it's literally dnd the game in that if you think it you can do it type of thing of like what happens if i did this but then it has like cool elements of like mixing like what happens if i electrocute someone standing in water or what happens when i mix my poison barrel with fire and like these different elemental things that you can play with or what happens when someone's standing in blood on top of that you can play with multiple people and each person can control a character and while I'm talking, talking to an NPC Will could be sneaking behind them trying to steal something because I'm distracting them huh. and you don't get that type of freedom you get with other games but then at the same time it's also really funny the story is really good but the game is also very funny and the people who created it are really funny and along with Kickstarter they would send out videos that had like fun little vignettes and comedies that was great. And they would be blatantly honest with you. This is where we are right now. This is what we're seeing. And they drop little tidbits of behind the scenes of the games. And they would constantly be so thankful and grateful for the people. Like, hey, we couldn't do this without you guys. And we're so very excited for you guys to see our fruits of our
0: labor that you were able to make happen. That reminds me a lot of uh, Broken Age, which was one of the few games that I backed. And it was great to see a behind-the-scenes documentary of how that game came to be and uh the turmoil they hit near the end there where they had to make it two games and then uh the game was actually really really fun point and click adventures i grew up on them so it was great to see um oh dang it what's his name elijah wood well, elijah wood no 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 the uh, the director he's a big big name in the oh, industry from double fine yeah double fine yeah. i can't
2: you're right i've i can't believe i forget his name <laughs> off the top of my head He's yeah. so beloved within, mm-hmm, like yeah. Monkey
0: Island and yep. Psychonauts, and yep, which yeah. Psychonauts too, another oh. kickstarted game, and uh, the other one I kickstarted was the Ner- Ner- Naruto boy, one that I was telling you guys about the other day. Yeah, well, last, that sounded podcast. that sounded
2: super interesting. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's really cool about Kickstarter is it's now turned certain studios into like big players. Yeah, or old studios, like Hollow Knight and
0: the uh, Shovel Knight.
2: Yeah, Yacht Games. Yeah, like now that that's the other thing is that you give a couple of different intri- uh, um, examples. Like for example, with Darkest Dungeon or Shovel Knight. Now with Red Hook Studios and then with yeah. um, Yacht Games, these are now like Sony or Microsoft. These are now big players on the field that these companies now want to invest in and that wouldn't have been possible without the chance okay. given to him through kickstarter or like we talked earlier with ukulele and the old people from rare or for example the pillars of eternity which mm. is obsidian games which had a lot of people who were a part of Boulder's gate and then fallout 1 and 2 which is completely well, different than uh, fallout
0: 3 wasteland
2: 2 yeah that, wasteland that 1 it's and pretty 2 much
0: fallout but wasteland was the original fallout and then they had to change the name cuz of legal rights
2: yeah and now they're given a chance that we've seen what they used to do they fell on hard times or again we we talked about earlier in this podcast with call of duty people wanting money and being like no no mm-hmm. you have to do things this way but them still wanting creative direction and now they are able to do that because of crowdfunding it's
0: like uh was that neo neo magic one uh shadow run yeah those yes. were started also yeah the shadow run
2: games are pretty cool as well
0: same kind as wasteland and Fallout, really fun. Yeah, totally. I'm right there with you. D and D style games,
2: but set in the future. Mm-hmm. Shadowrun is more of like a Blade Runner type D and D. Seattle and yeah, it's yeah, San Francisco. I'm super excited. The, the table, the actual tabletop of Shadowrun is a ton of fun as well. It's a little bit different than playing your standard D and D. The other one I want to talk about real quick is Bloodstained. Oh yeah, Ritual which, of the, which is so exciting because EGA. Koji Igarashi who was the writer and producer of Castlevania um now I'm forgetting the the one of the concert one of the greatest games Symphony of, all time. Symphony of the Night the There we go he was the writer and producer on that and now he's a chance to do his own thing and and mm. people are
0: ready for it hopefully it is better than what happened with Mega Man
2: <laughs> Yes the Mega Man the Mighty Number 9 hurt a lot of people and mm. made people a little worried but with that being said that people who did uh Bloodstained released a little game out. It it looked pretty much like Castlevania. It's exactly like Castlevania, and it it kind of subsided people's worries of like, oh no, what's going on? What did I invest my money into? And now people can sleep a little bit well, and I'd be like, okay, they know what they're doing. This is their chance to be able to put it. Where I would be interested to see this type of thing outside of video games. Where board games, yes, but like, I, I don't know if you ever heard of like, oh, a good example of a Kickstarter movie is the guys who um, Kung Fury, no, the police officer movie everyone loved,
0: Super Troopers. Super Troopers. They yeah. kickstarted <laughs> Super Trooper. The two, the Super Troopers two oh. was kickstarted. Yep, and uh, the Rooster Teeth movies too were kickstarted. Exactly. Well, it was a different. It wasn't kickstarted, but it was a Kickstarter kind of thing. And
2: and I do feel that when people are laying their money down the line, there's a certain. You feel a little bit more connected within the de- developers, but also like you've we've heard a couple of times the developers feeling connected more to the community mm-hmm. as opposed to being paid up front or having a budget and then releasing things and seeing the fruits of their labor as opposed to with Kickstarter, you being able to get there from day one and the company being like, wow, look at how all these people are counting on us. They gave us all our money and now we got to be able to do this. Just that overwhelming happiness that you feel, feeling safe, that... I know we can make this game and make it happen as opposed to if it's funded before that, you're just putting your head down, grinding and hoping it does well in the market.
1: That's a big thought because anytime you're kind of trying to take a like a creative endeavor, you have no idea if people are going to like it or hate it, you know, and this at least kind of gives you. A bit of a feel for like, oh, actually, people are interested in this concept, and then you have kind of the push and pull of being able to, you know, maybe send out betas and people giving you feedback and feedback that you're more likely to trust because they've been with you from day one.
2: And the, yeah. and the people giving feedback on the games are the people who want that game, right? You know, like if you don't like fantasy RPGs, like don't give your why opinion. Why are you backing like, a you backing RPG? It? Or being like, yeah. you know what, this sucks. I wish there was more guns. Like. You know what game you're playing right now? Like just being able to give the people what they want. You are specifically yeah. making this game for a specific amount of people who are already expecting you to put everything on the line kind of a thing.
1: And I wonder if if the games that have had that success and actually become really great things would have actually done that without the the f- constant feedback during the process of their fans. Yeah. You know, like maybe we're benefiting after the fact, from a process that we had nothing to do with.
2: Yeah. A, 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 an example I would think of is with you being a musician, Will, is that if someone started up there like, hey, fund my, found my album, and there was the type of music you're used to, and they release a couple of songs, hey, what do you guys think? And you being a musician going like, hey, the things you did here and here, I like this type of sound. And then the person gets that feedback like, you're right. Maybe I can change this little bit. And you see this with games where they go, hey, we're introducing this type of gameplay, here's betas, here's this, here's that. And people who've played all these types of games know what to expect, go, hey, have you guys ever thought about doing this? And the game, oh, that's right, why didn't we think of that? And being able to introduce a different idea of like, this is what the community wants, let's put it in the game because we didn't even think of like because the community in itself has as much impact on how the game is put together
1: than just the developer. Yeah. And it's really hard to get outside of your own head and, you know, when you're so close to a project having the way someone else experiences it, just kind of having that feedback is pretty invaluable. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lovely chat. You can listen to comic ben, book say discussion. It. Say the line. Say it uh everyone
0: everyone you
1: can fly (laughs) a boat but you can't
0: swim in the uh turtles it's that's that's the line i was looking for yeah Uh hey do you like comics well on it's been a ride (laughs) (laughs) on tuesdays we have origins and adaptations and on if you like movies or films on thursdays we have reel it in where we are discussing game of thrones John Wick
1: 3. <laughs> <laughs> Glad that calendar I made. <laughs> We're discussing both. All right. oh, we? uh, yes.
0: You can find us on Twitter at Nerd Weekly Cast, at, on Instagram at Nerd Weekly Podcast, Facebook Nerd Weekly, and if you want to email us, nerd.weekly.forever at gmail.com. I'm
1: at nomaco 2 on Twitter. I'm Willie B. Snazzy on Instagram. I'm at underscore Anthony underscore Rod on Twitter. And uh, you guys
0: can sail away on your dreams of me saying something that I said last week, but I can't remember.
1: Because it's been a ride. It's a ride. Anthony a <laughs> Good night. It's Will a